0: No, no punter on TV will ever get a job again. Dreadful, dumb and dumb Hello, welcome back. It's been a little bit, a little bit longer than usual. It's been a week. Uh, this is the 40-yard switch, sorry. <laughs> Episode 16, if I'm not mistaken. But yes, it's been a week. Me and my co-host, be. how are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm alright. I've <laughs> uh, had a week to stew and ponder and... Not quite
1: as good as last time you asked me, that's yeah, for sure. And
0: think about uh, the tumultuous morning uh, last Monday morning. The European final and... We finally better give everyone our thoughts. You know, it's, it's been it's been it was a rough few days, but um, we've come out the other side.
1: Yeah, I have honestly I haven't given that much thought to it in, in in the whatever week and a bit that it's been. Oh, no, it's a week, isn't it? it feels like it feels like longer yeah, no, than it feels that. Way, way longer. Way yeah. longer than that. Yeah, but yeah, let's let's get into it and uh, dissect it a little bit.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, as I'm sure everyone on the earth. Knows that follows football. Uh, Italy uh, and England drew one all, and after extra time, Italy won on penalties three two. A game that where Italy dominated a lot of the ball, but a game that I could have really gone either way, uh, with chances falling to both teams. Um, yeah, just not not England's day in the end, I guess. <laughs>
1: yeah, it, it wasn't, and. It, <laughs> I, th- I think I think at the end of the day, Italy were the better team and, and deserved to win on the day as well. Like it wasn't like it wasn't their day in terms of that just didn't happen for them in terms of finishing off chances. It was like they just didn't. Yeah, and I, I, I would say that it's it's mainly down to the setup. And I think like obviously Gareth got a lot right this tournament, but he got it very very wrong on the day. A hundred percent agree. Yeah. Yeah. Like. We've talked about it off Like Maybe the three at the back against Germany makes sense because of the attacking threats that they possess.
0: And also to mirror their formation as well.
1: Yeah, exactly. But Italy just completely dominated the ball. Um, I've got here. It was 66% um, possession to 34%. And that was basically driven by that period in the second half where they just absolutely... It was like 90 to 10. Um, They completed like double the passes that we did... Yeah, I think we just invited a lot of pressure, and and paid for it in the end because they had all the momentum. Like we started so well, and they just dominated the ball, dominated momentum, and then yeah,
0: yeah. I feel
1: the like inevitable happened. Yeah,
0: on, on two. I I agree with you, and on, on in sort of in two counts. In the first count is the the three the three at the back, two wing backs set up, leaving us with only two midfielders. Uh, didn't work. Is in against their three midfielders. And also, no one to press, and Mark Jorginho, who's at the base of all of their midfield play, um, it just backfired. Like, just had just like we had three centre backs, two wing backs, and two midfielders just sitting the entire game, and just they just had the entire middle of the park. The game was won and lost in midfield, or not not won and lost because it was a draw, but like it, we lost the midfield battle, which is the reason we couldn't win in yeah. regulation.
1: Yeah, because they just yeah they just took their momentum like like I said I think and that th- that was huge like they just completely dominated us at the start of that second half and we d- I don't think we really ever believed that we would be like get that goal back that wouldn't end it on penalties yeah after that point
0: yeah and and another thing I will say is even if he was gonna stick with the 4-3-3, he didn't stick to his guns with playing Saka as that wide option out wide on the right he chose to put me out there who a hadn't played that played there all season i not all season all, all tournament and b hadn't uh hadn't played overly really overly played that well anyway throughout the tournament so i feel like if you're going to play that formation you just sticking mount there in, especially when that front three is so important to do a whole lot of work offensively and in defensively it just it didn't work, and Mount was pretty much a ghost for a large portion of that game. Not that guy. Yeah, he was not that <laughs> guy. That
1: guy. <laughs> yeah, no, 100, yeah, I, I had that written down as well. I think it's something that you touched on before the tournament that I, I suppose that I didn't actually agree with at the start of the tournament, but I do now. Mount's not a player in that position who can take the game on by himself. Like if if we have Saka there, because Saka is is actually that type of player. Like I didn't really notice it until this tournament, but he took. So the to game be fair, on. neither did I as an Arsenal yeah. player. <laughs> like to be fair, both but of we us should we should we should have known. I suppose yeah, cause he had done it for Arsenal.
0: Yeah, but to be fair, both of us dropped him out of our 26-man England squad before the tournament. Yeah, and that's not to say we don't don't think he's a great player. We just thought there was more talent in the team. But like, hey, he's proved us and probably many more players wrong.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. pundits. Yeah. yeah, I, I puns, think yeah. I think that's the. That's the thing. Saka and Grealish have shown themselves as players who can take the game on for us, especially when we're playing such a negative formation. Like They, are, they were isolated up there, um, Sterling, Kane and, and Mount, and couldn't really affect the game. Um, whereas players that we like rated quite highly in, in Foden and Mount turned out to be actually pretty ineffective when, yeah. it, when it came down to it.
0: Although I do think Foden, when he did come on, Uh, against Denmark looked really good so I do think yeah I think think, Foden's
1: a bit different because of the age maybe a little bit yeah I suppose they're actually pretty
0: similar in age but I I feel like yeah I just feel like Foden was played in a number of positions and and this is the same for Mount Foden and Mount were both played in really good teams with lots of other world class talent around them and don't get me wrong they both had really good seasons Foden's the young player of the year uh, Mount's Chelsea's player of the year And for good reason, they were they were phenomenal. But like they're allowed to be phenomenal because they're often given the freedom to do certain things. Because uh, they make a mistake, the other team will mop, mop up for them. They've they've also got more time on the ball, more chances one on one against players because so much of their defensive uh, energy from the opposing team is commanded by so many other players that Chelsea or City have on the pitch. Whereas Saka. To quote what you said before, he's that guy for <laughs> Arsenal. Like, like he he plays in a far worse team, where even at the ripe age of nineteen, like he is asked to do so much in that team, and he and you like be that guy, be that uh, pretty much predominant offensive threat. And to be fair, Saka was also Arsenal's player of the season, but it doesn't really amount for much when you don't win the league and don't win the Champions League, like City and Chelsea did. But yeah, Saka is. Even in a team of play like like you you list some of the players that Arsenal had this season like a had a terrible season he's a he's a A list name but had a terrible season Lacazette still is like had had moments but wasn't that great uh, Odegaard this big big money loney, or big big like sort of esteem loney from Real Madrid are still like was in and out with injuries and it's just like Saka was just that guy all season and we probably should have seen it coming but yeah
1: yeah. Probably should have seen a bit more. Yeah. It's, it's hard. I, I, I think this whole discussion ties into what's interesting about the Jorginho Ballon d'Or debate is, sure, he's won a lot, but he's played in teams that are very, very good and probably a little bit shielded, like not really been exposed at all Yeah, but because of the teams that he's played in.
0: I would have really liked... This is another thing that really annoyed me about the Gareth Southgate setup was I would have really liked to see how the whole Italy midfield worked, but especially how Jorginho worked. If he had, if we were playing a 4 3 3 and Mason Mount was just tasked to do doggies and track him all game.
1: Yeah. It would have shut him down. He's yeah. not, he's, yeah.
0: Because I feel like we're coming, sometimes, me or maybe mostly me, coming across as like overly negative of a player who definitely is good. We haven't denied that he is good, but it's just, and everyone might say, oh, but you're, like, you're not watching him, you're not appreciating what he does. But it's like, no, 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 we fully do watch him because, and we fully appreciate that Regista role. Because we see other players, other Busquets, do it so well. We just don't see that from Jorginho. It's a lot of sideways. It's a lot of keeping the ball when you've got teams like England and other teams and Austria and stuff like that sitting with back five and two defensive midfielders, not pressing you at all.
1: Exactly. But he's pretty used to it a lot with Chelsea as well, yeah. where teams will sit against them. And if you're standing on the halfway line, getting the ball played into you by fullbacks and centre-backs and pass the ball sideways again, it's not... Yeah, I think it's a a comment Jack uh, actually heard Jack Wilshere make recently about midfielders these days kind of getting away with murder in that respect, and like people just saying they're the best thing ever because they get the ball and pass it sideways, and it 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 really is true. I think if you watch a lot of the players, you know, I, I reckon like Busquets would be like one of the main exceptions this tournament, but it does happen a lot. Yeah. And they just
0: don't do much. See, the thing, the get thing, a lot of touches. See, the thing about players like Busquets and other players like him that are quality is that Busquets will get the ball, pardon, and they'll play it forward a lot. Like Busquets, you'll see a ball. He'll receive a ball. He'll do like a little shimmy to get get a yard of space, and he'll play the ball forward, like almost like like every second or third time he gets the ball. Like he'll he'll pass sideways every now and then too. He'll pass backwards when he needs to. But like if there's an opportunity to play forward, he's playing it forward. Yeah. Whereas you just don't see that a lot from... Anyway, we're, we're, we're dwelling I a d- lot on...
1: I think the other thing with, with that role that Jorginho and Busquets play is when, like, if you are going to pass the ball sideways and not play a four, which is the best thing to do, you at least got to draw a player. I feel like he doesn't even do, do that, like the basic thing, draw a player. So then when you do play a sideways, there's room to go. Yeah, and
0: this is what was so impressive about um, Busquets, especially against Italy, was that like he had Veratti, Barella... Jo- Jorginho or any of the front three pressing him at any number of one times and like never looked phased like yeah. hardly ever looked phased. Anyway, we we dwelling a lot what he of, wants to do. Yeah, a we're, good midfielder. are dwelling a lot on uh, how England could have done better, but to be fair, Italy did win the game, and um, they were the better team. And they were the better team. So, like, what did they do well? I guess apart from dominating the midfield, I feel like Chiellini and Banucci were incredible, and we said they would be.
1: Yeah, yeah, the, 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 they were good again. And obviously, Bernucci getting the goal and Chiellini sort of creating that chance for him as well. Yeah. And again, that was terrible in the marking on the yeah. back post.
0: Um, but another thing I will say, it was like that one thing that everyone's like went going mad about, which um, was like the Chiellini pull on Saka. First and foremost, uh, that's yeah. never a red card. I don't know what people are on about. No, nah. but um, It was I,
1: frustrating though. <laughs> it was
0: frustrating. But like, if you're looking back on it, and something Mourinho said, it's like, that's really, really smart defending. Like, Killeen yeah. hasn't hasn't let anyone beat him all game, and I think only let someone dribble past him like twice or once all tournament. And then the one time he's beaten there, he hasn't committed, a, he hasn't been caught out, hasn't had to commit the yellow or anything. He goes, "All right, it's 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 late, it's late in regulation or maybe extra time. I don't remember. Um, I, don't remember. I think it yeah, was still in regulation. Late in regulation. This this young, quick kid who's miles faster than me has got past me, but I've got I've got my clean slate here." does the does the professional foul and it's just like it's just it's really smart defending like you keep that in the bank for when you need it you don't give away silly fouls so when you can't so when you can commit that professional foul you do
1: yeah yeah that's 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 the experience yeah of of, of him showing through and yeah they were they were you know predictably incredible at the back yeah
0: yeah, I thought, yeah, De Lorenzo and Emerson as well, really solid. Like he didn't seem. To Emerson miss, was surprising. Didn't seem to miss spinners too much. Yeah,
1: like he actually created stuff going forward and was solid enough. I think I'm, I'm not fully convinced on De Lorenzo, but I think he, he was solid.
0: Yeah, enough. he was solid. He was solid. And the
1: goal did come from his side, but there wasn't too much you I mean, could really do about that. Nah, was it a free kick? No, England's goal.
0: Oh, England's goal. Yeah, 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 yeah. sorry.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um. Maybe a little bit sloppy
0: defending on the back post. Yeah, but, I mean, but sure, I sure is wide open. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Another thing, okay, I know I just said we shouldn't dwell on England and how England let Italy win too much, but I do think this is something that you touched on before the game was that you didn't think, and I agree with you, that uh, Italy's forwards with like that, all that to be worried about, to be playing a back three and, and, and wing backs. And again, they didn't really show it. Yeah, I know we play, ended up playing a back three and wing backs to, to, so maybe they didn't have as much space. But I just feel like even if you had to play the back four, they like Chiesa, yeah, phenomenal. Exactly. Don't get me wrong, but the one like,
1: player who was gonna do it did it anyway. Yeah, you know, like that having that extra player didn't stop Chiesa looking dangerous. Yeah,
0: and whereas Insigne and Immobile weren't heard of. It's Insigne up against Walker, non-existent. Yeah, and Immobile, like he'd been the past two games, non-existent.
1: Yeah, and then, Bellotti, when he came on was yeah didn't, didn't do anything either.
0: But yeah, one thing I will say is this is um, now the fifth time that Italy have beat England in a major tournament, and England never has beaten Italy in a major tournament. Yeah, uh, it's coming somewhat of a hoodoo.
1: I just I just think Italy like th- ever since I've been watching major tournaments probably started two thousand and six. Obviously, a good year to start for, for Italy, but like they just seem to know how to get it done in, yeah. in major tournaments. They've just got that that thing that um, that England don't.
0: <laughs> yeah, and there's probably definitely a little bit of like, holding your nerve in the shootout as well. Like you talk about the three misses. Like they were like Rashford, admittedly, gets the keeper to go the go the go the wrong way, slides it off the post. Um, Sancho, it's easy easy height to save. Not really in the corner. Same with Saka. But like all of Italy's penalties, uh, bar for the ones that Pickford saved, and Pickford does really well to save both of those. Yeah, they especially were the the Jorginho one.
1: There's there's more there's more experience. Yeah. Just wait. Just before we get onto the onto the penalty shoot, I want to say something. I've, I think,
0: well, <laughs>
1: basically, a thought that I had was that like Southgate just seems to be really, like, had made up his mind about players before the tournament and stuck with it. Yeah. And I think he got a lot of praise for. For that, like backing Sterling, basically, when a lot of people said he wasn't really in the type of form where he should be starting, and like it worked for one or two time on on one or two occasions, but in the end, I think in the final in particular, his sort of making up his mind about players and not making his mind up about players in terms of Grealish really was something that it was w- was really bad and really costly yeah. for England overall. Yeah,
0: and I actually heard a really funny quote listening to. Um a podcast that you've probably seen me watch on the TV before. It's like those two guys talking in the street. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah so it's it's called um, uh, Poet and Vouge. Anyone who knows out there, anyone who knows them out there, shout out uh, David Vianich for this quote. And he said, um, watching England's team managed by Gareth Southgate is kind of like um, in, uh, eating a gluten-free chocolate cake. Like it looks like a cake should look. And like you bite it and like initially you're like, yeah, it's a cake. But then you're kind of like, just taste off. Like This is, this is before you realise that it, it's, it's gluten-free. You just bite it and you go like, something's like, just not quite the yeah. same. And then you realise it's gluten-free and you're like, oh, it's like Gareth Southgate's got all this brilliant talent in the team. And like, a lot of the time you look at it and you're like, oh yeah, great. Like, beat Germany 2-0, Ukraine 4-0, amazing. But then like, it just, something's just slightly not quite there. And I do think that he's definitely the guy to take us forward at least for now. But like, something about it is just when you think that it's going right, it just doesn't go right. Yeah, do we have analogy? I just,
1: but... I just think, yeah, no, I think, I think, <laughs> I, think def- I think it's just a stubbornness to his selection that, like, is is really costly, and he he ended up getting it right with Sterling. And I'm not sure that was. I'm not sure that was even the best decision. Like, I mean, it, it, it kind of is in retrospect. But there was other players that he could have gone with who arguably could have done the same. thing. I mean, yeah.
0: Who's to say the Grealish doesn't come in and exactly. that wing spot and just do, do just as well?
1: Like, I still can't understand why Grealish wasn't used more throughout the whole tournament. Yeah like there has to be something they must not like raid him in some way like it's just it's weird
0: and like I just don't get like any I've tried to think of multiple drawbacks of Grealish like maybe it's defensively it's like nah but you watch Grealish Aston Villa that's not an issue like that's not an issue Uh, maybe you like you look at Grealish like he takes up like certain positions that like stunts um, England's like attacking flow but that's not the case too he's extremely fluid he pops up all over the front three like yeah like it's like I just I just I can't think of why he wouldn't work in the team and to be fair in the, like, the two times he's given more than 30 minutes he's he's got assists and it's just like
1: like and maybe there would have been an issue with fitness at the start of the tournament because he missed a lot of the Premier League season but I don't know I feel like that would have just been like, an issue late in the tournament yeah
0: well, he, he waited until like the first half of extra time to bring Grealish on in the final it's like that she should have taken Mount off with about 15 minutes to go or more yeah. in regulation more surely yeah. But anyway, um, a lot, a lot of things that went wrong, and of course, this is—we've talked a lot about England and less about Italy. But at the at the end of the day, it was just very pragmatic. Italy got the job done uh, in penalty shootout, where they just showed a little bit more maturity, uh, and where admittedly, like this is the one last thing I will say about Gareth Southgate is apparently he already had his mind up about who was taking the penalties before the shootout. And say what you want, like it's a lottery, whatever. Like I don't mind the fact that he brought Rashford and Sancho on because they're talented players. Rashford is a brilliant penalty taker most of the time. But I just do. I just think that this is going to lead on to what we're going to talk about in a second. I think that just asking Saka, who's never taken a professional penalty in his pro, pro career, he might have taken some in, in juniors, whatever. I don't care how well he's hitting them in training. It's a completely different thing. And you've got players, the entire England squad, all of them had, had taken at least one penalty in their professional career up to then. Saka hadn't taken one. He's also the youngest player, the second youngest player in the squad after Bellingham. It's just, it was just too much to ask of a player to take the fifth penalty, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I, I had something interesting on a, 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 yeah, it was, I think it was the Daily Euros, but this, someone who played in England's under-21 team when Southgate was managing them. And he basically said that he watches people take penalties and like people take penalties in training and it's just like a score-based thing. And that's the order of, of how they take penalties, and I think I, I, I don't know. That's
0: very like good for like our level that we play at, state league five. Yeah, that for international tournaments though, I don't think that's the most pragmatic way to go about it. Mm. I'd... I think it comes down to like a level of like, like penalties. I feel like are about experience and experience taking them in high pressure situations in games. Yeah. Like,
1: I think that's also something that England didn't have a lot of, generally. Yeah, to be fair,
0: though. to be fair, yeah, there wasn't. But I feel because like-,
1: like the other players there are Grealish. I don't know. You wouldn't have really wanted Sterling taking the penalty. I don't think he's particularly. I, I, I don't know. I I think it's a good way to do it. I do think as well. Like I agree with you on the fact that you can probably show a little bit of um, like nuance in understanding that you probably shouldn't give the fifth penalty to a nineteen-year-old kid. Yeah, like it's just just not very nice
0: <laughs> <laughs> but anyway um he he did and he missed after misses from Jaden sancho and marcus rashford which brings us to a much less fun topic to talk about so obviously everyone who has been following football knows what we're about to talk about which is that following the misses of the three misses in the penalty shoot of, of marcus rashford Jaden sancho and bukayo saka they then were uh, really, disgustingly vilified online um, racially by multiple uh, accounts on multi- across multiple platforms, mainly Instagram. And since then, the outpouring of positivity has been really good to see, really great to see. But it still begs the que- begs the question: how and why this is still able to happen in the twenty first century, in twenty twenty one, no less. So yeah, uh, so me and Wilbur have talked a little bit about about this off air, and it's just like. The social media outlets and apps that these players were attacked on surely by now should have some sort of way to combat this
1: yeah i think sh- surely there's an algorithm that they-, they can cook up which if you know if if certain like keywords or certain emojis get get used in a certain way like these algorithms can be can be you know quite complex and as soon as it comes up surely they can just take it down straight like an automatic
0: just deletes the comment yeah, yeah
1: and the account yeah associated with it yeah
0: like we were saying like like any of the emojis used like like the banana one and so forth um, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say all of them but um if for those who've seen them you know what they are if, if any comment if any account comments those on like yeah you should be able to tell like any black player that it receives those emojis in in a comment the comment the, the account that like, types and sends those comments, there should be some sort of way to, like, filter it out and that comment gets deleted and then it links to... The, the, any the, accounts that are linked yeah, to that. Any yeah, any accounts account. that are linked to the email address that made... The, of the account that made that uh, thing. So that sounds a bit convoluted. But, yeah, basically, the, the the account that made the comment gets deleted and any other accounts that are made with the same email address that they made that account with are also deleted because there, sh- there should be there should be no second chances Yeah, with this type of thing.
1: Yeah. And, yeah, you just think... Surely, there's there's more that they can do in terms of tracking who, uh, because yeah, surely these these idiots aren't aren't sophisticated enough to be like you know hiding themselves under you know surely there's IP addresses and stuff that they can locate with and yeah yeah I don't know it's yeah. just it's just all extremely disappointing I, I I think I think the other thing other people who could have done more was like um Brit British politicians in the lead up oh. to the. Yeah, and I think t- Tyrone Mings' tweet replying to Pretty Patel was was really, really, yeah. really, really. Have boring. you got that up or? Um, basically, <laughs> I've, I've, I've got what Pretty Patel said before the tournament. She said, "I just don't support people participating in that type of gesture politics." And Tyrone Mings basically said,
0: "He said um, you can't." Uh, I, I I'm, I'm going to get it up. Pretty, uh, let me let me type live on thing for a second. Okay, here we go. He says, uh, "You don't." Get to stoke the fire um, stoke the fire at the beginning of the tournament by labeling our anti-racism message as quote-unquote gesture politics and then pretend to be disgusted when the very thing we're campaigning against happens. And I just think that like, hits the nail on the head. Like, yeah. and, I could, and I saw another thing coming back to like Boris Johnson's made like various comments in the past about like basically thinly veiled racism towards the black community in England. And then the stuff that Priti Patel has said to her. And then like Priti Patel comes out and says she's disgusted. Boris Johnson comes out and he's like, oh, this is absolutely important. We're going to do this, this, that, and that. It's like, you are part of the problem. Mm,
1: yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think Boris Johnson's definitely got a long history of it. And yeah, just the way Priti Patel d- dealt with that in the lead up to the tournament. And, and to be like a lot of Tories did in, in the lead up to the tournament is just... Yeah. yeah, and I, I think that the labelling of gesture politics is just completely off the mark. So one, it's mark. not just a gesture because it's something that gets conversation started, you know, with with young people watching football. You like, know, their, their, their parents can sort of explain to them what's going on, why this is all happening. So exactly. it's not just a gesture. Carl,
0: Carl Walker said that his kid has asked why the players are kneeling, and he's, able, he's been able to have a conversation with them yeah, just to explain I th- I why. I think that's where I... Yeah, yeah. so like it clearly works it. in educating the younger population. Your second point?
1: Yeah. it's it's So it's not just a gesture, and it's not political either.
0: Yeah, this idea that... I don't get where this idea that the, the BLM thing is a political movement that's that's people's main gripe with them taking the knee is that oh it's linked to BLM which is a political movement it's like since when what how
1: it's a a human rights movement like plain and simple and it's just yeah like who is I don't understand who they think is trying to get publicity from, from this that's what I don't understand because that's what the gesture politics is it's like this is without substance and it's just trying to garner publicity for something it's just like Sure it's it's trying to get publicity but you know not in the publicity sense of the word it's trying to get support for a human rights movement It's yeah. like yeah just
0: and yeah, don't understand this. yeah I don't, I don't and like it's the same thing it's just like and to, to in like and this is what people keep saying is like especially with regards to like black lives matter stuff is like to enact any sort of change you have to make people feel uncomfortable and even if taking the knee only makes people feel uncomfortable for 10 seconds at the start of a football match that seems to clearly be enough to create discussion and create uh anger and whatever and like yes it's going to come out really unfortunately in the ways of the abuse that some of the those three players were here after the tournament but the fact of the matter is there's still a bit it generates conversation and hopefully hopefully something happens now because i've I've just seen um today that uh, after lewis hamilton's controversial win again uh, in the british grand prix uh, after he uh, accidentally knocked max verstappen off the track um he's now received online racial abuse as well so something needs to be done and i really hope the england euro final and now this uh today in the f1 it just triggers something because boris johnson's talked about fining these social media companies 10 10 of their global revenue if they don't tackle this but it's like it's all words until something happens
1: yeah yeah, for sure. I mean, he needs to do more, and his government needs to do more, and yeah, social media companies need to do a lot more as well. It's yeah. just, I just, I just think the the worst part is you got such young players, obviously hurting from just losing a major tournament final. They've all grown up dreaming of playing for England, and that this is something else they have to deal with. And I think the the way that they've responded and the, the statements that have they've, they've come out with on instagram is just amazing because Brilliant. to yeah. show they don't they, they shouldn't ha- they shouldn't have to show that level of restraint but i don't know it's just it's just so it's v- v- very unfair that they have nah. to be so grown up um and be so you know well spoken and, and everything yeah I yeah know. like uh, me
0: me and you at 23 20 one and 19 after a football game we too. could have never we could never <laughs> yeah, and like I yeah I, I i remember when you sent that uh post that saka made um the other day to our soccer group chat yeah and i that just filled my heart like with so much like warmth like just seeing that like i think i think i was like that's my motherfucking young king right yeah. there like yeah because yeah. like yeah and like, I, I if I, if, I, if there was any doubt about what shirt what number what like shirt and player i was gonna get on the kit this season it's gone now it's going to be Saka. yeah like i was already leaning that way anyway but it's definitely going to be him now yeah because he's just like to be have that head on your shoulders at 19 and you hear everyone talk about him like the the players in the camp the coaches everything that he's just such a nice well-rounded young man it's just like yeah it fills your heart to see him respond in such a positive way
1: yeah I think yeah. There also, also had a look at Jaden Sancho's most recent but very like amazing as well, and all the stuff in Manchester with like the defacing of that um, mural for Marcus Rashford. Yeah, yeah, and I mean just just all the stuff that Marcus Rashford has done in in the past year or two. Yeah, they're all just incredible and they shouldn't have to yeah. deal with this
0: shit. Yeah, so that's if, if, uh, anyone who knows us probably would have known that that was our stance on that, but that's our stance on that for anyone that didn't. Yeah. Um, all right, moving on to a much lighter topic. Uh, another final happened a day before the Euro- European final and uh, something we talked about too, um, the Copa America final, Brazil versus Argentina. And I think you did pick Argentina to win. I picked Brazil to win, but you picked Argentina to win
1: yeah I think I said 2-1 no 2-0 I think I
0: said 2-0 yeah, you said 2-0 you said two two Argentina and you almost were right yeah. it was Argentina winning 1-0 um, and Messi finally winning his, his the international tournament the trophy that has eluded him his almost his, enti- his entire career the game was so crazy like the amount of tackles that were flown into and like like little scuffles and it was played at like 120% like the entire game it was really fun to watch
1: yeah yeah, it was, it, was, it was definitely a good one I, I think I, I think something that I, I sort of noticed during the game and looking back on Brazil's past results not that I've watched these games Brazil have actually been a little bit toothless this like this Copa America yeah
0: I mean, the 1-0 against Peru
1: yeah they, they never looked that dangerous they, they beat Peru 1-0 before that and then they beat Chile 1-0 before that and then had a one all with Ecuador before that
0: it's just like and it was, it's kind of just like get the ball to Neymar and pray for and pray yeah much. <laughs> exactly exactly
1: like they look very toothless I think also I mean but both teams are incredible in that they've got lots of quality all over the pitch but I think maybe Argentina's is a little bit more balanced yeah but maybe just it's just Neymar throwing that balance out
0: yeah but I also, I also just think that like for once finally in a major tournament final Messi's teammate, one one of me, one or a few of Messi's teammates stood up and had good games because he's been let down before, a la higuain in the World Cup final, that was infuriating to watch. But this time, Di Maria, what a goal! Yeah, um, and close. and also Rodrigo close. de Paul, just phenomenal all game on the other wing. um So yeah, just like two, like yeah, two players that aside from Messi, because Messi had a decent game too, that just stood up. When it counted, so he didn't have to do it all himself. Because no, no one player, even though despite that, Messi topped every single statistic at the tournament. One player of the tournament, Golden Ball of the tournament, most assists of the tournament, whatever. Uh, like, so
1: crazy. <laughs>
0: like the fact, like, like no one pla- despite him doing all that, no one player can win a tournament by themselves. And he needs, he needed someone to step up, and they did. And yeah, it was, it was just, it was just really great to see, honestly. <laughs>
1: I should say they win the World Cup next year. Yeah. I actually like... I'd like to see that. Yeah. I think I'd definitely like to see like,
0: that. Because, I, like, this is, it comes back to what I said. Like, I like Brazil and I like Neymar. I think they play a really attractive brand of football. I mean, although they were, like you said, they were quite toothless at this tournament. I genuinely think they they knock it around very well. It's very pleasing on the eye. Yeah. And Neymar is just... He's phenomenal, like we said last episode. The,
1: the, the other thing that could be overlooked in these 1-0 one, one and 1-alls is that play like teams would have sat on top of the 18-yard box. Yeah, exactly.
0: Stuff. So yeah. But yeah, um as good as Neymar is and how much I I want to see him like do well, I, I just like I think like this is just Messi's time, you know. He's almost 34, or maybe he is 34. I think he is. He's in yeah. the t- he's in, coming towards the he's not there yet, but he's coming towards the end of his career now. And he hadn't won a trophy despite getting to multiple finals in Copa America and the World Cup final and being let down because I'm I'm not like I, I haven't watched all those finals. I don't I didn't watch either of the Copa America finals he's lost, but I have watched the World Cup final and I'm pretty sure I can say with confidence that it probably wasn't his fault they lost the Duke of America finals. Um, but yeah, it was just great to see him finally um, win something because that I've, and like I, I, we don't we don't want to go too much into the, the the greatest of all time conversation. But like that was the one thing that Ronaldo fans, quote unquote, had over him was yeah. that like he'd, he would Ronaldo had won a major trophy and Messi hadn't. And I, I don't think
1: I don't think that was ever a Valid argument in the the first place, yeah,
0: but like, there's just I just don't think there's any argument to be had now. Like, and again, I don't like this argument, but I just don't really feel like it should be an argument because I just feel like it Messi is like pretty clear at this point,
1: yeah. Because what the the other one was like, he's a a leader who is able to, you know, like Ronaldo. I'm talking about he was a leader that was able to drag his team, even though maybe he wasn't playing the whole time or playing well the whole time, he just has that leadership, and it's just. Anyway. And I, I I nothing. Said,
0: and this is like Portugal hasn't had a top ten team for like fifteen years. It's just like come on. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But like yeah, I just feel like yeah, Ronaldo is incredible. Like don't get me wrong, is incredible. Is number two. It, yeah. Probably no questions asked there. But like as as time has gone, yeah, maybe maybe some, no, maybe, maybe some questions asked there, and then you, <laughs> and then you get into Pele and Zidane and all that. But like, um, but like. When it comes down to it, Ronaldo, as the years have gone on, is a prolific goal like and and like the most prolific goal scorer. But when it comes to all facets of all offensive facets of the game, Messi is clear in almost everyone except goal scoring. And even by the end of their careers, Messi will be clear in goal scoring too because he's got way his, his career will last probably longer than Ronaldo's as well. Yeah, or like it will last the same length, but he's at the same age because he's, he's two years younger. I think, than I think he
1: also might be able to. Do. Go for one because I mean, Ronaldo's game has always been a bit more physical.
0: Yeah, it's about so. his sheer athleticism. Yeah. yeah, a lot of it.
1: But then again, he does seem to be the better sort of physical athlete. So yeah, that might be I mean, him able to go. Yeah,
0: he longer. he Ronaldo just defies age. I don't I don't even understand it. Yeah, <laughs> but then again, Messi like he's like, like how many thirty four year olds are still doing what he's he's doing like just dribbling past players for fun, curling in free kicks, top bins like yeah.
1: I th- I think I think the other thing that would you know just is is reflective of why Messi is so much better. If you go back and look at his highlights from the Copa America this year, and you look at Ronaldo's highlights from the from the Euros this year, it's just like you'll see a couple of penalties and a couple of tap-ins. Yeah, with admittedly a lot of hard work put into those. But I don't know if you if you look at Messi, the way he creates stuff, the goals that he scores, it's just. It's, it's just a lot better. Yeah.
0: yeah. Another per, another person I was really happy to see, although um, our housemate Fab might not like me for saying this, is that I was really happy to see Emmy Martinez uh, win the Cup of America because I feel like it's been a long road for him too. But yeah, and like like his, 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 his trash-talking in the final was somewhat polarizing, but it was nice to see him win something.
1: Yeah, for sure. And it, it was cool because he, he came out and said something about leaving Arsenal so that he could get into the Argentina team. Yeah. And that, that, that's nice That that was You know A goal that he had In
0: making a very hard move Away from Arsenal Yeah for sure Which was his home For a long time But yeah But yeah I just Yeah, yeah it was just a great game And and Messi's, Messi's the goat Basically
1: <laughs> I reckon The game that was Quite Did you see The Colombia-Peru I just saw I just saw oh, The there was highlights
0: no second, was the playoff? Yeah. Oh yeah I heard about it I haven't seen the highlights yet Luis, Luis Diaz he's, Yeah he's like a goal player from like I want to see him In the out. Premier League Yeah
1: like he was he was incredible yeah he was really good so yeah but yeah
0: so that, that's pretty much all we had um, talk about from stuff that's uh, from all like footballing standpoints uh, pre-season games have uh, started but it's not much to talk about there although one thing I do want to say is everyone's ca- carrying on about the fact that Arsenal's lost and drawn to, against two teams and but like no one's talking about the fact that like bayern lost to cologne dortmund lost lost to some team three levels below them newcastle lost to a team from the conference north psg lost psg drew with some team that i've never heard of so like it's just like yeah no but it's just like it's pre-season like honestly who cares like
1: i think a lot of people get excited about pre-season results and just don't really realize that they just mean nothing
0: a lot of casuals mate. yeah exactly (laughs) But anyway, uh, we're just going to give like a little... We're not going to talk about it too much at the end of this episode because we're almost out of time. But uh, we just want to allude to sort of like, you know, how there's like a next time on the whatever in some shows you watch. Um, so next time on the 40-yard switch, we are going to have a blockbuster transfer episode because a whole lot has been going on while we've been talking about the Euros and even this episode in the past week. A whole lot has happened. Um, just... For example, you want to list off a couple signings that have happened?
1: I reckon reckon Sergio Ramos has been one of of my favourites so far to PSG. That's been huge. Also Donnarumma to PSG. Also Hakimi to PSG. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: Obviously Sancho to United. United. It's looking like Ferran to United United. could could happen as well. That's crazy if that happens. Um, ben White to Arsenal could all, is looking like it's pretty much a done deal um,
1: Andrews Townsend to Everton yeah. Damari Gray <laughs> to Everton free. I don't think Damari Gray is quite as like as, as much of a shoe in it like the transfer at this oh, stage okay. I, saw I'm pretty Paul, sure. I
0: saw Paul Joyce who's like tier one say it's going to happen
1: I don't know I just read something before that said like the Townsend deal is like a done deal but oh, yeah. Damari Gray might be
0: yeah, interesting. I um, want Damari Gray. And then obviously, yeah, Leicester picking up Ryan Birchin and Patson and Daku. Patson Daku. Pats and Daku. So we don't no, know much about it these might players. Daku. Uh, yeah, we don't see it again. We don't know much about some of these players, so we're going to be doing a whole lot of research this week, or at least I say a whole lot. We're going to be doing a bit of research. So we'll
1: Leicester also got Samari right?
0: Oh, they did get him. Yeah, yeah. yeah I yeah. thought that was still rumored, but they did get him. Nah, <laughs> no, he's yeah. 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 So again, Leicester doing bits. Um, so yeah. Come next episode, we're going to be talking about all these things and more in our in the first of what will be a few installments as the as in the last few weeks of the off season before the Premier League season starts in under a month. Uh, Exciting stuff. Yeah, uh, probably not going to talk about Olympic football because it's pretty dull. <laughs> um, see what happens with the. Olympics. We might talk about the Olympic final, but like, yeah.
1: I, I heard I heard a heap of like South African players had to. Leave
0: because of COVID. Yeah, it's, it's been it, quite a bit. It's of that. a bit of shit show. Yeah, it's already been like two confirmed cases inside the camp. So yeah, but yeah, anyway, uh, we're gonna have one, two, maybe even three bumper transfer episodes before we get back into Premier League action. So yeah, keep an eye out for that. But yeah, as always, uh, if you like what you hear, follow us on Spotify. Uh, follow us on our Instagram. It's forty yard switch. There's an underscore in there somewhere. I always forget. And uh, yeah, give us five five i don't know what you do on spotify is five stars maybe five stars (laughs) just follow us and listen and just just listen yeah i couldn't have said it better myself and uh yeah see you soon bye bye